from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 170. Today's show is brought to you by Balance Open, Away and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, Mr. Jason Snell. How are you? Uh, well, it's a kind of a complicated story, but... Jason, uh... Jason, nobody cares about it. If it's complicated, <laughs> no one cares, especially because it's time for hashtag Snell Talk. This week's Snell Talk question comes from Matthias, and Matthias asks, what Apple Watch watch face do you use? Um, utility. Hmm. I still use utility. Which one is the utility face? Can you describe it? Utility is the one that looks like my old uh, analog watch. It's uh, it's got the um, it's got numbers and hands on it. Uh, is it, it the can, one? Does it have four complication spaces? It's it, got top left, top right, full uh-huh. bottom, and it's right. got the little tiny room for the date and the and the day okay. inside the circle. Um, and it is actually yeah. I had I had two uh, Swiss Army brand watches that I wore before I got the Pebble, before I got this. Um, I found the pebble the other day. More on that in a bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I like it because it lets me drop those complications on there, and it reminds me of my old watch face, and I, and that's pretty good. Um, I I also have the Explorer face active, and that's the one that comes with the uh, the cellular watch. That's the one that has dots on it to tell the, tell you when you're on the cellular network. And I will sometimes, when I remember, I'll swipe to that, and that's got like a phone button and activity button, and it's sort of a I'm roaming around face. So sometimes I will swipe to that when I'm out and about and thinking about it. Um, uh, I have to say I am disappointed <laughs> in the evolution of watch faces. I was very excited with the initial batch of watch faces, and I thought, well, we'll see where they go from here. Whether they're third-party faces or not, we'll see where Apple takes this, and different variations and more flexibility and all those things. And that's basically not happened, uh, which is really super disappointing. They have added some animated faces that I'm never going to use. I'm sorry, Buzz Lightyear. Ne- never going to do that. Never going to use a Mickey Mouse watch, uh, which they, w- was there at the beginning, Minnie Mouse, whatever. It's it, Those are fine. And I don't dispute them, but like I am, I'm a little frustrated that there isn't more um, kind of flexibility in and, and uh, ability to move things around and add different complications and stuff on the on the other watch faces or variations on those faces. Don't forget kaleidoscope. Uh, yeah, the fact that Explorer exists kills me because Explorer looks essentially the same as Utility. It's slightly different. It's not as attractive, but it's close. It's in the ballpark. Um, and and. The, and so Explorer has the little cellular dots in the background, but Utility doesn't. Why is that? Why can't... Why? I don't know. It's really disappointing. But anyway, for the most part, I am just uh, using Utility. I used a Siri watch face. Oh, really? Yep. I, 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 can't, I can't do that. <laughs> it I doesn't that provide anything, anything valuable for me. It does for me. I've, I like it. I like it a lot. I wish it could do more, and I hope that it will, and I believe that it will. I also wish I had space for one more complication. If I had space for one more complication, this would be the perfect watch face for me. I like it. It gives me information about stuff that's going on. like, And it also does a good job of, like, it shows me some little photo memories every day. Like, I, I actually really like the Siri watch face. I've been a big fan of it. I tried it out because I just wanted to see, and then I never changed. And I like it a lot. I like that. I like having the, the hands. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've always liked on... I have always liked uh, 
analog hands on digital watches. I think that's a hilarious idea, and I think it's I think it's cool and fun. And uh, I don't know why, but I always have. I had a Casio digital watch at one point that had little LCD hands that would move or move light up as they went around. Uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, I, I gravitate toward those. But the the Siri face, just the data, I feel like it's 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 not geared for somebody who with the data set that I've got, apparently. And I, I keep seeing like calendar items that I don't care about and all of that. So I've just sort of given it up. Why don't you care about your calendar items? Because the calendar items tend to be things. Okay, this is a little sidebar. I have all day events on my calendar sometimes. And... um boy things are really bad at interpreting those amazon is the worst my um my echo show in the in the kitchen uh just keeps saying oh here's this event at 12 a.m that's still going on and going on all day and it's like no it's an all-day event it's just a it's a banner in the calendar app just let it be mm-hmm. and the similar I, I i find similar things with a siri watch face where it's like I don't care about the because I'm not rushing from place to place. I don't need my watch to remind me. Oh, you've got a thing at three, and then another thing at four. That that I rarely have things like that, and so it's st- instead it picks up this thing, and like I'm looking at my watch all day, telling me you have a podcast at seven thirty p.m. I don't care that I have a podcast at seven thirty p.m. Tell me at seven thirty, um, and it just doesn't work for me. I, I get why it, I, I am not the use case for it. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying, but yeah. I, I don't I don't find value in the stuff that it shows me there, and it, therefore it's just clutter. It feels like um, it's not the same as something like with an ad banner at the bottom, like an app with an ad banner at the bottom, but it gives the same effect to me, which is there's junk on it that I don't care about that it's trying to push at me, and I don't want to see it, and that's why I don't use the Siri face. Okay. I mean, I understand, um, but for me, uh, I have a computer on my wrist. I want it to be the most computery that it can be, and I feel like I the Siri it. watch face is the most computery that it can they, be. They should make like a command line mm. uh, watch face. Yeah, just... just that, that just keeps on like doing a readout of the current time, like, uh, and uh, there's a little, a little prompt, and you can... Uh, yeah. Bash. That'd be super computery. Pound, pound, hash sign. Uh, thank you so much to Matthias for submitting a question. If you would like to ask a question to open the show, just send in a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and it will go into a document for me to pick out at a later date. Uh, some follow-up items. The Upgrade is voting is still open. It is open until uh, the 14th of December. We have had hundreds of submissions so far. I am very surprised at the sheer amount of submissions that we've had, and I've found a relatively rudimentary but way that I'm happy with uh, method of calculating the responses because obviously this is an all-text entry voting system, which makes mm-hmm. it a little bit more tricky. Actually, exponentially more tricky um, when it comes to tallying up the votes but i've been doing some uh some spreadsheet work jason and i think i have a, oh, an option so i'll be able to collate some of these answers for us to give us rough estimations of the most popular items um so that's going to be a, a very useful for us when it comes to the upgradies i've also been starting to write down my personal nominations jason i i'm, I'm pulling in my list for the upgradies now upgradies fever mm-hmm. is uh is we're actually in the upgrade oh, yes. season now this is a new it thing is. um all of december is the upgrade season uh, uh, we are deep within it. Culminating on the 1st of January with the release of the episode. Exactly. So if you would mm-hmm. like to take part in the Upgradies, uh, the voting form will be in 
the show notes. Uh, please go complete it. You don't have to fill in every category. Most people haven't, and that's great. Just fill in the things that you like, um, and it will help us uh, when it comes to uh, filling in, uh, w- when it comes to awarding, I should say, our awards later on. Uh, well, actually, at the beginning of next year. So I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that. Um, there is a holiday tradition that has been accidentally created, um, but now exists as a real thing. Like all <laughs> as good so traditions, many traditions are. Uh, mm-hmm. Where I record a standalone uh, Mike at the Movies episode with, with Tiffany Arment. And this year we discussed Empire Records, um, which was one of Tiff's favorite movies. I think I'm going to pick the next one, we decided. Uh, so okay. you can go and listen to that. This is just yet another reason to subscribe to The Incomparable's Mike at the Movies feed, which is at theincomparable, com slash Mike. Uh, mm. Because not only do you get standalone cutouts of every single Mike at the Movies segment, which includes everything on Upgrade and Analog, but also the occasional standalone episode. Uh, this is one of them. So if you want to hear me and Tiff talk about Empire Records, you can do that. You're coming up to the end of Firefly now. We're actually, um, as we're recording this episode, tomorrow, me and Casey will be talking about Serenity, the movie, and then we're done. We have plans for oh, something boy. else, but I don't know if we're going to need your help on that. But that's we'll, we'll, we'll you'll see. Everyone will see. We have plans, okay. but it's not media. In, it's not like intriguing. Uh, it's not popular media. Is what we're going to do afterwards. We have we have a little plan. All right, that's nice. So last, I think it was last year, there was a runner-up upgradey, or like a, an upgradey runner-up was a Mac app by Marco Arment called Forecast. And the only reason that we didn't give Forecast the upgradey for new Mac app last year was because it wasn't available to the public. Of course. I felt like it wasn't fair, uh, even though it was mine and your favorite new Mac app. Yeah. We couldn't really give something an award to something that nobody could use. Nobody could get, yeah. I, uh-huh. And, oh, yeah, and I, I think, think so. we I made think the right, right decision because Good almost call. a year later, this app has finally made it out to the public. And Forecast is a podcast MP3 encoder with the ability to add in chapters and metadata. If you are a podcast producer, I thoroughly recommend using Forecast. Um, Maybe more than anything else, how fast it encodes MP3 files. And why is that, Jason? Oh, boy. It's because Marco... (laughs) Marco Armit doesn't like um, software that doesn't use all the cores of your computer. That's basically it. And I understand why. If you if you have one of these like iStat menus or something like that where you can see how your computer cores are being used, you'll find that so many things that you do that are processor intensive are uh, single threaded, which means they're just running on one core. And so, yeah, they can run on the core that is the sleepiest and everything else can be running on the other core and it gives you some boost in performance so you've got you have two things going at once it can do that but if you're doing something that takes like it's going to take five minutes to do this thing or six minutes to do this thing and you sit there for six minutes and you've got four cores your your mind says i could do this in a quarter of the time if it used all four cores. So why am I wasting my time? And then, you know, you multiply that over all the time you, you do this thing and you're like, I'm sitting here waiting for this thing to conclude for like five hours a year, 10 hours a year. That's stupid. Marco is a software developer, so he can do something about it, which is parallelize um, stuff. And so he took the lame MP3 encoder 
and built a system that basically dispatches sections of of your podcast audio to different iterations of lame running on different cores of your Mac's processor. And as a result, it um, it encodes much faster. That's not a feature of the base encoder. It runs in a single. So Marco did the work to parallelize it, basically. And then on top of that, the, the uh, funniest trick of all, which I think comes from the fact that Marco thinks about a lot of this stuff from a com- kind of like behind the scenes, almost command line kind of perspective is when he wrote this Mac app, which is his first Mac app, basically um, the, you know, on a standard app, you'd do all the work and then you'd press the button and watch as it encoded. And that's not what happens on forecast. When you drag your file in to the forecast window, it just starts encoding it in the background while mm-hmm. you're doing all the work of filling in the tags and all of that. And so, Generally, by the time you're done doing all the metadata, um, your encode time is zero because it already did it. It did it in the background, even if it's like a two hour long file. Um, it's it's uh, chopped it up, sent it to all the cores and gotten it back. And now all you do is press save and tell it where to save it. And it's done. My favorite thing about forecast is the auto filling that it does as a person who produces multiple shows. The fact that yeah. Forecast, if, if you use a relatively similar file, like a naming structure for your files, which I think most people tend to do. So like, for example, when I when I uh, export the WAV file from Logic that has all the chapters in, because that's how you one of the ways you can do it. One of the great things I love, you add all of the chapters into the Logic project is what Logic calls as markers. So you add them into yeah. the actual file in Logic, you export as a WAV file and it carries that data through. That Then when I open the application, in uh, when I open Forecast, and put the upgrade file in it know all the chapters are pre-filled but because i will call this one upgrade 170 it knows it's upgrade so it puts it pre-fills the title it pre-fills the episode number it adds the upgrade artwork in and then any previously used chapter name like hashtag snail talk and hashtag ask upgrade it pre-fills those with the artwork there too and if i used links then it would do that. So like if I put in a link for Ask Upgrade, it would also put the link in that I want. Yep. So that's what I love because I'm able to add more rich data with less time. Because my biggest problem when it when when we were originally talking about uh, adding chapters into shows was the amount of extra time it's going to take for me to do all of this stuff. And then when me and Marco were talking about forecasts and I tried it out, I was like, ah, I can do this. It still takes me more time, but it doesn't take me as much time as the previously available tools. So that's well, why because you're building your chapters while you're doing your edit, which means yep. it's right there, as opposed to the other way, which is you have to write down time code, and then if something changes, you have to change the time code. Or if you go to the end, and then when you're exporting the file, you have to go back through and find where your markers were, yep. and then input the code. And now, with this uh, approach, you just, you know, you're like, oh, this is a new segment. You press the plus button, a new marker drops into Logic, and you give it a name, and that name is even picked up by by forecast so yeah mm-hmm. it's all very clever um it also remembers what um i have some of my podcasts are in different formats some of them are mono mono um 64 kbps and some of them are stereo 96 and uh it autofills that too it knows what podcast it is and what settings you use for it so that you don't have that situation where it's like oh uh, it's set on 96 but i want this one to be 64 it knows that too um, which is pretty cool. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's a niche product, but if you're somebody who doesn't just listen to podcasts like this, but also sometimes makes them, uh, you should check it out because it's free and it's really good. It's got some issues in the UI. Um, Marco 
built this tool for himself and and then eventually for his friends and uh, it, it, you know ui polish in areas where it's not necessary um didn't get prioritized because it worked fine so you know it may not look like some some super fancy tool um but it is is incredibly functional so it doesn't need to look super fancy no but i love it it's fantastic yep. it's really great Talking about really great apps that I love very much. Um, I've spoken about Carrot Weather like almost incessantly on this show. So now every time there is a Carrot Weather update, I feel like I have to talk about it again. Um, and there's always good reason. So the Carrot Weather Watch app just got revamped. Um, not only is the Carrot Weather app one of my favorite iOS apps, the Carrot Weather Watch app I think is the best watch app. Like It's the most functional um, it has always worked really, really excellently and continues to get a lot of love uh, from the carrot folk. And I think it's fantastic. So the watch app just got completely revamped. It's really customizable. It almost has, it's like taken from the design conventions of the Apple Watch. Like you can add little elements in that look like complications inside of the app and you can tap on them and they take you to different elements. So like you can tap on like a complication and it will show you some weather, additional weather information depending on what you've tapped on. It loads incredibly fast. It's still independent from the iPhone. It can talk now. It's so like one of the things that like a lot of people love about Carrot Weather is like it has the personality, but the personality on the iPhone app could speak to you if you wanted it to. I turn that off because I don't need it to speak to me, but I do leave the jokes in because I do find them funny. Um, but now... Uh, on I believe it's on on watchOS on watchOS four with the with the third generation Apple Watch or Series three I should say it does spoken forecasts so when you open it it can speak to you um, and you can it will have as much character as you decide on the phone so it can either do the jokes or not the jokes and just speak to you or whatever and I don't have an ultra premium membership because I don't need the features that it gives you but if you have because there's different tiers of subscription that you can pay. If you have the ultra premium, which is the top level, which I think you need for Weather Underground, you can get radar on your watch, which is wild. So just tons of incredible new features. I absolutely love this app. If you like weather or want to know about weather, I recommend Carrot Weather. It's so yeah, great. It's good. It's good, and the watch app is really good. That, I, that is now my um, – that's my complication. My weather complication on my watch mm-hmm. face. Me too. Speaking of that watch because face. You can also customize that. Weather. You can choose what you want. Um, it does a great job of what I, I like feels like temperature. Like that's what I want to know. And it does a great job of allowing you to prioritize feels like temperature everywhere. So my, my complication on my watch, it has a little icon for the type of weather and then the feels like temperature. Um, so I, yeah, I absolutely love this app and recommend that you try it out if you haven't already. And the watch app is really great. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by Away. Away are a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers, and this is why they've made smart premium suitcases for under $300 so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. What do you need most when you're traveling? If you're anything like me, it's always more battery. I feel like I never have enough battery power to get me through any type of trip. And that's what's fantastic about Away because when you buy their carry-ons, they feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from just one single charge of that battery. Away's bags and accessories are the perfect gifts with the holiday season coming up because they have that lifetime guarantee with them and a 100-day trial. They're a perfect size and color for everyone because they have such a great amount of choice for this holiday season. Maybe you could even grab an Away gift card for someone if you can't make up your mind or you're buying for a particularly uh, picky 
purchaser. Go to awaytravel.com slash upgrade podcast right now and you can browse all of Away's suitcases. They're made of premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and still lightweight. They have over 10 colors now and five sizes. There's a new size, which I'm very excited about, which is the kids carry on which is so cute. They make a little kids carry-on now for the smaller travelers among us. And this adds to the lineup with the large, the medium, the bigger carry-on and the regular carry-on as well. You get first-class luggage at coach prices of Away because they cut out the middleman. They have all their fantastic features like their patent-pending compression system, their four 360-degree spinner wheels, they're compliant with all major U.S. airlines, TSA combination locks built in, and that removable washable laundry bag that I love so much. Huge fan of Away suitcases. I've got a bunch of travel coming up over the rest of the year. I am going to be wearing out my Away. I'm going to be taking it with me absolutely everywhere I go. Away believe in the quality of their products. That is why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they will fix it or replace it for life, which is fantastic for frequent travelers. And they also have that 100-day trial with no, no questions asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. Go to awaytravel.com slash upgrade podcast and use the code upgrade podcast or one word at checkout and you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That is awaytravel.com slash upgrade podcast and the code upgrade podcast for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. A lot of holiday travel out there, Mike. A lot of people are going to be traveling for the holidays. That yeah, happens. it's getting cold out there. I don't know why that, that just popped into my head. <laughs> But well, there it's we a little go. Groundhog Day, but uh-huh. sure, that, that that works. Um, do do you do any uh, holiday? We just we just put together. It'll be next weekend's show. We did a we did a holiday traditions episode of the Incomparable, which was a lot of fun. Um, where we just talked about. I mean, literally, that was just it. It's like stuff we do for the holidays. Do you have any? Are you? preparing do you decorate anything like in your house so, do you have little things that you put up what do you do this is our first year where we're spending a significant amount of time over the holiday season in this house so we've we've owned this house for a year but last year we we spent like four days in december because we were traveling around so we are right. now buying decorations so we over the next couple of days we have like a christmas tree and all that sort of stuff coming up i'm very excited because i'm going to be able to hook up to a wemo which i've basically never used so i'll be able to ask my various canisters to uh turn the lights on and off for the christmas tree oh, i'm good. excited about that uh-huh. uh that that is something which is bringing me uh lots of joy um and but all of my regular holiday traditions are going out the window this year as I'm going to be spending my first Christmas away from my family as I join Adina's family in Romania. Ah, so that's this is like a whole new one for me. So I have no real no traditions that I'm observing this year whilst also building some new ones. So that's good for us. Are you going to do a like a a a, a London Christmas? Kind of, like, yes. So next weekend, um, all of my family are getting together um, because basically this year, more than any other year, the family's completely splintered into all different places. Um, like people go into other family homes, et cetera, et cetera, and like our partners' homes. And we have one, one group of the family who's going abroad for Christmas this year. And so we're, we're getting together kind of next weekend to do like the big Christmas dinner that you know, we're all going to have together. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. I um, we have what do we have? We haven't gotten a tree yet, although we are going to. We're not going anywhere, so we actually have delayed getting our tree a little bit because we know that needs to last. Back when 
uh, we would visit, especially if we'd like drive to Phoenix and see my mom for Christmas. Um, we would get a tree really early because basically we would be leaving before Christmas and putting the tree out. Like, so it didn't need to last very long, but it, it, we, we wanted to last this year. So we're kind of like waiting a little bit. Um, and then, you know, the kids decorate it and that's all, that's all pretty good. My street, however, is totally obsessed. They have put up, uh, the oak tree next to my window here. In fact, now has lights all over it, which is weird. Um, uh, but like the people are kind of aggressively like adding lights to trees in the neighborhood is our tree <laughs> next. I don't know. Lighting. It's a little bit scary. Well, it's like, no, no, it's more like, it's more like, uh, Hey, we're going to put lights in your tree, but it's not your tree. I don't care. It's on my uh, street. We're going to put lights in it now. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So the, it's uh, like the, the yeah. light bombing, you know, they're just like throwing lights into everything. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a little bit out of hand, but, uh, but I do have, uh, my my tech angle here is the same thing, which is I've I have got a uh, I've got a HomeKit uh, smart switch that's attached to our Christmas lights outside. So now those are those are on a schedule with the regular outside lights, and uh, and then on the uh, inside I'm gonna I've got another one of those switches for uh, for the Christmas tree lights when we get those, so that I can also tell various people inside canisters. Or phones to turn on the holiday lights, which is uh, fun, and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I thought the next step, obviously, is to get some of those lights where you can actually control what they do from an app. But I haven't gotten there yet. That's that's a little too far for me. But I, other people, I think, are already there. Yeah, I have considered maybe you know those uh, like Hudo, those little strips, the light strips. Oh, I've got some of those. I just got some of those. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to deploy. Red and green and or, putting them in yeah, places. Yeah, I know. You know. Well, I used to have smart bulbs outside, and they were uh, red and green, and now I don't. Now I have regular bulbs out there. So I thought about that, about whether I should like maybe you know, go get some colored light bulbs for the month of December, or whether I, 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 I'm not that far ahead. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do about that yet, because it's not the, the, the plain white bulbs are not particularly festive and i'm feeling like some serious there is an arms race going on outside my house mike and i don't really want to participate in it at the same time i also don't want to be like the lemon on the block so i don't know we'll see which is ironic because our house is yellow um so we are the lemon (laughs) you already are the lemon there's nothing you can do yeah i know but i don't want to yeah exactly so there is a there is a specific topic today that me and you are kind of avoiding like we're going to talk about it but like we're not super enthused about it. So we've got like a million other little things that we want to talk about today before we get to that one big topic. One of those things was holiday traditions. The next one is yes. uh, the Kindle Oasis 2. So Jason, yeah. I assume you have yours by now. We spoke about this weeks ago. I do. Scott McNulty is not here to join nope. us, Sorry, unfortunately. Oh, and nor is Stephen Hackett, who has one of these too. Um, I, I, I do have it. It's... Uh, it's pretty good. I like it. Um, the screen is bigger. I guess that's nicer. I, I'm just in one of these positions now where since I often will buy like every Kindle just because I want to write about it, but I haven't written about this one yet because I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it. I think it's good. It's waterproof, which I am very rarely in a position where I need a waterproof Kindle, but that's nice. Read a book in the shower. Yeah, it's like the old Kindle Oasis in shape, uh, but the old Kindle Oasis came with a battery case that you would attach, and it was small and thin. And this one doesn't have any case, but it's still got that kind of wedge shape where you've got a kind of grippy part and then a thinner part. It's about um, 
you know, it weighs what most, you know, most Kindles weigh. It's not super light and thin like the like the first Oasis was. Um, the screen is bigger, which is nice. It's more, it's the high end Kindle, so it's it's much more expensive than the Paperwhite. And my feeling is most people should buy the Paperwhite. <laughs> I think the Paperwhite is great. It's it's a that's the Kindle to buy. Um, the Oasis Two is nice. Nicer than the Paperwhite in a few ways, um, but they're different ways than the first Oasis, and that's what's got me kind of perplexed here, is that I, I, I was expecting to react to this one and either say, oh, it's clearly better, or oh, it's not better than the Oasis one. And instead, it's sort of like, it's kind of better in some ways and not better in others and samey in others. So I'm, you know, it's a nice high-end Kindle. If you're somebody who uses a Kindle all the time and you've got a little extra money to spend, it's, it's a, it's, it, the screen is nice and it's big. It is waterproof. Uh, The back is uh, aluminum back, which is actually very nice. I think it's, it's the, it certainly feels like the best materials ever used in a Kindle, if that makes any sense. And that it's not like a plasticky Kindle. It, it it's it's a little bit nicer. But in the end, you know, unless you're a Kindle maniac like maybe I am, um, the the best buy is a Paperwhite. Paperwhite's an excellent excellent device. And if you, and this is my uh, disclaimer part, which is to say, why would you, my mom had this question for me, which is why would you use a Kindle when you have an iPad? Um, and my answer is generally, I like that the Kindle is a dedicated reading device. When I'm holding the Kindle, all I'm going to do is read a book. I'm not going to get distracted by notifications on my iPad or anything like that. And then I also like the screen. I like that that it's that e-ink screen that is feels like I'm I'm looking at print and not at a backlit uh, device screen like all the other devices that I use. And I like that about it. And you can you know you can get a Kindle Paperwhite for I don't know is it ninety nine seventy nine? It's not it's it's cheap, um, relatively speaking, and they last forever. <laughs> and the battery lasts forever, by the way. <laughs> so. Um, it has a lot going for it. If you're somebody who is, uh, somebody who reads a lot of books, basically I prefer, I, I, I try very hard never to read a book on my iOS devices. And so every now and then I, I talk about stuff in the Kindle store and somebody on Twitter and somebody reminds me, oh, it's also on the iBook store. And I'm like, oh, right. The iBook store. Cause I just don't buy books on iBooks because I don't want to read on my iPhone or my iPad. I, and if you do, that's fine. I mean, it, it, for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense to have a separate device. But I really like having that as a as a separate device. Uh, the Kindle Paperwhite is one hundred and nineteen dollars, and then there's a Real, regular well, Kindle, no, that's, which is seventy nine. No, I don't think that's. I think I think that may be with the uh, special offers turned off, which you probably should do. Um, but they, they, if not, then they they put it on sale all the time. Um, okay. That's the oh no it's one nineteen with special offers dang well wait for it to go on sale then I say or buy the uh, buy the certified refurbished one for ninety nine then that's too high that that's uh, they they often are going on sale I would not get the cheap Kindle there is a cheap Kindle um and that I don't recommend which oh and now that's up to eighty they must have been putting them on sale when I looked a couple weeks ago when when it was uh like Black Friday and all of that and now they're back up I predict they'll come back down I predict there'll be another sale at some point. Um, and that's what you should look for if you're buying them because Amazon does put those on sale and uh, you don't want to, you don't want to spend 119 when you can spend 99 for, for a Kindle Paperwhite. 
but like the Oasis starts at two forty nine. It's it's a lot more, and it does it really provide a hundred and fifty dollar more? Meh, I, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, it seems like a, there's like a lot of choice now, and in a way that the movie hasn't yeah. been before. And uh, they they still sell the Kindle Voyage. I, they must have made a lot of those because I don't know where that product exists. Like I, I don't. It's not. I mean, if I have if I struggle to find a difference between the Oasis and the Paperwhite, the Voyage in between for one ninety nine is it's like it's very vaguely better than the Paperwhite, but not really, and it's not even that different. It's got like you can squeeze the sides to change the page, which is not a fun thing. I mean, that's the best thing about the Oasis, honestly, is that it has physical page turn buttons, which are the best. Um, but yeah, anyway. The, the long story short, what, regardless of the price, and you should look to see if Amazon puts it on sale or if you can pick up a refurb, but if you're if you're looking for a new or, or to try a Kindle, Paperwhite is the, it's the right answer because it's so good and it's the, you know, it's the next to lowest priced one. The lowest priced one doesn't have the, the, the lighting on it. It doesn't light itself, which is a really great feature because sometimes it's dark where you are and you want to read and uh, turning on a light to read on an electronic device is dumb. Hey Jason, do you want to talk about your office? <laughs> uh, I, I do. <laughs> I do. We got a lot of little topics, a lot of little mm-hmm. things to talk about before we talk about the other thing, mm-hmm. um, which we will talk about. So we'll get there. The, um, I do. This is like kind of like follow out to free agents 35, which posted last week where David, Sparks and I talked about all sorts of things going on in our lives, and uh, it's uh, sort of the new format for that show where we are alternating between kind of like our issues that have come up in the last month with an interview. Um, and I mentioned this there. I I set up my office, you know, I set up my office, what, four years ago, three and a half years ago, something mm-hmm. like that, a long time ago, when I still had a job and... Um, was commuting a lot of the time and it was sort of under the premise of being a home office and then it turned into my full-time office. And I don't know if this has happened with you with your office yet, but um you make you make uh guesses about what you're going to do because you've never you've literally never worked in the space before, right? Like when you're making your decisions about mega office, mm-hmm. um to use your term for it that I guess I'll just everybody knows what it is, mega office. You you'd never worked in it (laughs) you were making decisions and being like all right let's see how this goes there's a leap of faith that happens there right and i don't know if this has happened for you yet but after being here for three years um i know more about what i need and how i work and the stuff that collects and what i use to do my job than i did when i had never done it before which seems logical right so I, I, I've come to that. Are you thinking about that? Are, you, are there things going on in your office where you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is right. Or, or where you find that, that maybe decisions you made you're now questioning? Yes. Um, I, I haven't got any solutions yet because we still got other just like house decoration stuff. Sure. But there's like, I thought that I had really good storage, but there's like a bunch of things that aren't in the good storage solutions. So like I clearly need more. Right, like that. I haven't, I haven't completely nailed that down yet. Plus, I have a bunch of stuff I need to get rid of, like eBay, put things on eBay and stuff like that. So, I'm kind of uh, in the new year. I'm going to do a bit of a clean out and then a kind of a restructuring. And it's going to get. I'm also kind of putting it on hold a little bit because at some point within the next six months, I'm going to be buying a, a gaming PC. 
Um, well, actually, I want to build a gaming PC. Uh, oh so, so then I'm going to have to do some pretty serious office changes to accommodate a whole other computer coming into the room. So um, yeah. that's going to. I'm kind of holding off a lot of big changes for that because I have a corner desk, so it could just go on the other corner of the desk, right? And, it, and I think it will work pretty well. But then I need to work out like everything that's currently on that part of the desk. Where does that go? And kind of like start a shuffling process down. But I'm saving a lot of that until the moment when I decide to buy the pc because i think it's gonna it's gonna change a lot of um a lot of what's what goes on in there have you talked about the gaming pc somewhere where i just haven't listened yet i've made reference to it mostly on remaster where like i've come to the decision that i'm doing it um and and there's a couple of reasons for it so one is just like i have dabbled in game streaming and have quickly come to realize that the mac is terrible for streaming no matter how you decide to do it yeah. Um, it's just it just doesn't work like i have a great little box that elgato makes called the hd60s which i can because i want i want to stream my nintendo switch games right but there are problems with the software where i get a delay in my headphones of my own voice if i want to do any narration and there is absolutely no way to stop that from happening um but that doesn't that's not how it works on the pc it's fine on the pc um i want to i want to get a good vr rig i, I want to get uh, an oculus ah. rift and so that's my only option, right? And there's games like um, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is one of the biggest games of this year, that I haven't been able to play because it's not on PlayStation, it's not on Mac, it's on PC and soon on Xbox. So, yeah, I have decided I'm going to build, I'm actually going to build a gaming PC. All right. Well, I mean that might, that's a, a fun project, and I think that mm-hmm. there's discussion to probably be had from it on multiple of your. It's going to span everything when I'm doing it because it's going to probably take up quite a lot of my life for a little bit. Uh, so yeah, yeah. One of the things that I did when I put uh, boot camp on my iMac was uh, one of the reasons I did it is because we were trying to figure out how to use Twitch to live stream Total Party Kill, and. Uh, it's very difficult to do that on a Mac to do all the different things you need to do. Um, and there are lots of solutions for it on the PC. So I thought about doing it that way and I decided not mm-hmm. to. And we went with sort of another approach to doing our live streams and all of that. But um, I, I definitely got a, a moment where I got to kind of peer in and even with the tools that we've got to do podcasting, which actually I think make it easier to do that sort of thing now. Um you know, games on the Mac are not like I just I I want to play um, Life is Strange before the storm, the prequel to Life is Strange, and Life is Strange is actually on Steam and works on the Mac, but uh, the prequel has not been ported to the Mac yet, and uh, that was one of those moments of like, well, I'll reboot. I guess I'll reboot into Windows for this one, which I can do, and I I just did that for one of the games that we played for the Incomparable, and I will probably do it again. Um, but once you're, you know. I can play like general games on that uh, on the iMac in uh, in Windows, but for stuff that's at the cutting edge, it's not gonna. Nope. You know, like the 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 harder you push it, the more it's not the right solution to use bootcamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just bumped up against enough edge cases in the in this year where I've realized that I just don't. I just I I have to do this. If, right. if I want to continue down this road, then this is a decision that I have to make. And and. Okay, and the Oculus Oculus Rift makes a lot of sense because I was going to say, you know, you could also just get an Xbox, and you could you could also get. Well, do you have a PSVR? 
yes, I have a PSVR and I have an Xbox, so, but none of that solves the streaming problems. Yeah, that's true. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to more... Um, more. Uh, that was an ex- unexpected gaming PC reveal that happened. Yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> so I, I I don't have anything that exciting to reveal. Um, I went to Ikea. So congratulations to me. I didn't see any monkeys in... Uh, in uh, coats there, unfortunately. Every time I go to Ikea, I look for a monkey in a coat. There's never a monkey in a coat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, if we, if, if <laughs> I wonder if the guy who does the ATP references uh, Twitter account listens to this podcast, because that's a reference. Anyway, a reference. Uh, I, I got, got two, I got, I got two. I got it, by the way. Good. I got, I, I got two. Um, thanks, Casey. Good job, Casey. Um, the, uh, I got two Ikea storage things that are like these eight, you know, eight square shelf cube things. The Calyx? Uh, yeah, the Calyx. Yeah, yes. my, my office is full of them. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I have two Calyx. Calyxes. Calyxi. Uh, um, I have two of them. And I, bu- I also got some little baskets, little bins for some of them. I may get more of those. And because I discovered that I needed more storage, that I had sort of stuff stuffed into my one piece of Ikea furniture I've got behind me in ways that were like inaccessible and not not ideal and then behind literally behind the curtain because i have a curtain as you've seen dividing my office uh, dividing my garage into two parts my office and the sort of like storage there's a there's a giant metal like storage shelf uh storage rack and uh there's bikes parked behind it and other stuff and it's like that's the storage part and then there's the work part um, and and behind the curtain in my office were a couple of plastic bins overflowing and sort of on the side leaning up against the wall, overflowing with stuff. Old tech, like old music players and old, uh, like there's a sling box or two back there and the old Wii is back there. Um, there's some like rock band instruments back there and a giant ball of cables like literally every cable i own tangled together in a giant ball it's a rat king it is the rat king of cables Mm -hmm. and i untangled it this weekend that was what i did (laughs) the whole weekend i untangled it because i now have a place to store stuff and put it in little bags and put it in little baskets because one of the one of the nice things about what my family does is we try not to waste stuff. So you get a you have a big plastic bin that used to feed the dog or whatever, and you rinse it out, and you're like, oh, I can store stuff in there, um, and it's not really appropriate, but it exists already, so we might as well use it. And I've got a couple of chef's carts that we used to use in our kitchen, and so I use them, and I have stuff on them now, and they're not appropriate. They've got like grills on the. Um, on the uh, on the shelving instead of that being flat, so you try to put like a, a a computer or a cable or something, and little bits fall through, and it just it's not appropriate for it. But we have it, so I try to use it. And with the IKEA stuff, it's like, all right, I actually am going to store things that are valuable uh, in a way that is appropriate. Um, but the result of the old way <laughs> was the Rat King of wires. So now that they have a home that they can go in, I untangled the Rat King. That's how I spent my Sunday. Most of Sunday was several hours was untangling cables. And I have found a an amazing selection of cables, Mike. D- Mike, do you need any spare HDMI cables? I have 
all of them. You know? I'll take a couple. I, I mean, I can, <laughs> I'm good for, I'll go, I have good for that. All of them. I'm shocked. Like, uh, last time I bought HDMI cables, I'm like, why did I do that? I I have, like, ten. I don't... I, I don't know. I have a long ones. I got short ones. That's the problem. I think last time I bought HDMI cables, I bought longer ones because these are all a little bit short. But um, I got uh, I've got two ADB to USB adapters. I don't need those for old no, keyboards. You can keep those ones. I, I have an ADB keyboard. Um, oh no, you can't have those. Those are too valuable. I have two USB to serial adapters. Um. What else do I have? I have a an HDMI to DVI video cable. That's a good one. Um, Man, you took a real, you took an overnight stay in Dongleton, didn't you? I I went to the source. I went to City Hall of Dongleton. <laughs> you went into the mines, the Dongleton mines. I I I found. I have a. I now have a Ziploc bag full of USB dock connector items. I got a, I got dongles in there. I got cables in there. I found two iPod, you know, or iPhone uh, dock connector USB cables still wrapped. Oh my God. You know, you got to send fresh, those too, right? Like we have fresh a from the factory who will just take this package. You just you just put them all in a big Manila envelope and direct them straight to Memphis. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you never know when you're going to need a dock connector cable. I actually have had friends who are like, oh, we have this old iPod we still use attached to this thing, but our dock connector broke, and now what are we going to do? Our dock connector cable broke. And I'm like, I gotcha. <laughs> I'll send you one. Well, turns out I got like seven of those, including two that have never been used. So those are in a little bag. Um, would you like a USB cable? I have about a hundred of them. No, I have USB I'm to good. mini. I have I'm USB to micro. USB. I have USB to U- A to USB B. I that is the largest pile because they're in piles sort of by by kind here. I have a lot of extension cords. I have a lot I have so many um power adapters. I have approximately a thousand of the little tiny cubes that you only get in the United States that are the little USB adapters for the iPhone. And I have approximately 500 of the bigger ones like the one that you get in your box in uh in the UK. That's the little bit bigger power block. I have so many of those, so those are in a yeah. Those are in a box. I can imagine you would have an extraordinarily large amount of iPhone and iPod and iPad charging related items. I got five AirPods here. I mean, AirPods, not AirPods. Wow, I only have the one say. AirPods. Wow, yeah, five AirPods. You. I can't tell them apart. I I don't know the word for EarPod because I don't use them, but I have I have them. I have many of them. I have five of those. Occasionally, my daughter uses those, so I just kind of hold on to those until she breaks her headphones. I'm like, well, use these. And that that's great. I don't know what else. There's some... We don't need to do the entire inventory of your No, no, cables. no, no, no. But I just want to tell you, the last, the last one that was really exciting is Firewire. I have a catalog oh, wow. of Firewire items. Firewire 800. Firewire 800 to Firewire 400. Firewire 400 to iLink, which is the Sony Firewire plug that was only on like Sony cameras and Sony PCs. Um, I have, you know, Firewire Thunderbolt adapters. It, it's an amazing. I, I had no idea I was so invested in in uh, Firewire, but I think basically every time you bought a device that had a Firewire plug on it, they included a cable. And I had a bunch of hard drives over the years that I used as backup drives, and the, most most of the drives are gone. Long gone, but mm-hmm. the cables, the cables remain. You're going to want to throw out a cable. You might need a cable later. So I got lots of, 
lots of these cables that I, my computers don't even have FireWire on them anymore. Thank no. goodness for the Thunderbolt FireWire adapter, which is the only way I was able to check the two hard drives I did find to see what what the heck was on them. So yeah, it was quite a uh, it was quite a day, and there's still cables laying around here. Surprisingly, fewer Ethernet cables than I thought. I'm just gonna say, like you know, I I totally applaud your reduce reuse recycle attitude but you can 100% throw away the firewire cables like you can get rid of those now and that's fine they're gone no one needs them i actually have a few devices that still have them but but here's here's the next step actually in this process is is a, with the hdmi and the firewire it's going to be one of these census things which is like all right this is an this is kind of uh not something i need like firewire this is an outmoded technology it's not coming back but Every now and then, there's like, oh no, now I suddenly need this thing. So you keep one. Maybe two if there's something slightly different about them. The other five, they need to go away. Yeah, <laughs> because you need to get rid of this. I do not need a selection of Firewire cables. That is not a thing that I need. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a work in progress. But um, the... Oh, and I threw away all of the telephone cords. I had still had telephone cords, like from phones that are plugged into walls. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Those are those are all gone, and I have a bunch of like composite video cables, and I'm like, wow, like you know, old analog, like you hook your VCR up to your tube TV. I still have a lot of those that are no longer in existence. So yeah, it's a, uh, it was it was exciting, but the good news is a lot of old tech is going to the uh, computer recycling. And I, I guess, or or Memphis to the Stephen Hackett Library. To the Museum of Hackett. Yeah, he might need to hook some stuff up. Who knows? He always does. Uh, my understanding is he's coming by some, some more rare items for his collection. So uh, he might need some strange cables sometime in the near future. Oh, Mike, I got it. I got it. We could tie all these topics together. I okay. got it. This is how I decorate the tree in front of my house. <laughs> IDB is with firewire cables. <laughs> there you go. They're like Who tinsel. Needs tinsel. Who needs it? Tinsel for oh. suckers. What you need is a rat's nest of cables. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen is somebody's going to walk up to the tree and be like, "You got an adapter for this?" Someone's no. just going to plug plug a hard drive into your Christmas tree. Well, they should. They should do that. I look forward to downloading their data. Jason, I want to maybe try and introduce a new uh, recurring segment. Not weekly, but but re- frequent recurring segment to the show, and this okay. is all going to be based upon the reaction to the segment, which is uh, podcast tips. Purely because I would say at this point it is fair to say that even though me and you have just spent twenty minutes talking about cables found in the back of a drawer in your office, we are uh, <laughs> expert podcasters. In a rat king, in a rat king, Mike. No drawers so, were involved. Sorry, sorry. How, in a rat how dare king. I? Inside of a chef's trolley or something he said i don't know jammed in there but i would say that by this point uh purely based on the amount of stuff that we produce we've done our ten thousand hours you know we are we are podcast experts so i figured that we could maybe try and help aspiring podcasters as i'm sure many of our audience are um into maybe uh maybe spreading their wings a little bit and answering some questions because we get them from now and then and it's purely because we had an ask upgrade question that came in from somebody called finn and i thought we could just answer it here and maybe expand upon it a little bit so finn asked can you do an explainer about how you record a podcast with hosts who are geographically separated and again this is something that me and jason are experts on because every single one of the podcasts that we record 
are done this way. So, yep. it is actually, from a technological perspective, extremely simple. It's what happens afterwards that can make it a little bit tricky. And funnily enough, I would say for me as well, because this is the way when I started podcasting, this is the exact same methods. But it, I couldn't, it took me a while to work it out on my own about how to do this. Like, it, for whatever reason, it didn't uh, lock into my mind very quickly about what the logical way to do this would be. So, record over Skype or FaceTime audio, whatever would be your yeah. preference. I mean, literally, you can record, you can use a tool that lets you and your guest or co-host or whoever else you're talking to let you hear each other i mean it could yep. literally be a telephone call if you wanted it to be because as we're going to explain in a moment it actually kind of doesn't matter what that is you want it to sound good for your own edification but it ideally no one will ever hear the contents of of the actual like voice over ip call mm-hmm. because what you want to do is you want to have a way to record yourself locally um, and there are every computer has free options available to this, which are top of the range, right? So on the Mac, you can use QuickTime, and it's perfect. It's rock solid. Um, or on Windows, you can use something like Audacity, right? Like it's free. Audacity it's open source. is the most common one. Yeah. Yep. And that's you can just go ahead and go for that, right? Like that that will work really great for you. Um, and then you want to be able to have some kind of application that can uh, record the conversation that you're having. I use Skype, and we use Skype, and I have for many years used a wonderful application by a company called Ecam. They make a product called Core Recorder for Skype. Uh, they also make a call recorder for FaceTime as well. So you can yep. do both, um, either or. And these applications are super simple. They sit as like an additional window to the application. Uh, they have with themselves a bunch of settings and then a great tool for extracting the audio. So when me and Jason are talking, I'm using call recorder to record our conversation. And then when we're done, um, I export our conversation from Core Recorder. So I have a file, which is uh, the audio of this call. I also have a file, which is my recording. Um, I actually also use Ecamm for this, but you can use something like QuickTime if you want to. Um, and then Jason sends me a recording of his file, and Jason uses Audio Hijack, which you can also use to do all of the call recording as well, because Audio Hijack can do that. So you end up with three files. You have a recording of the actual conversation of a Skype or FaceTime, which is done with one of the core recording apps or Audio Hijack. And then you have the local files for every participant. And for me and Jason, that's two. Then you drop it into your editing app. Do you want to take over from here, Jason? Uh, sure. You drop it into GarageBand is a good example for Mac users because it's free. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you put in your your audio and the call audio. And ideally, those were recorded at the same time, so they are matched up in terms of sort of they started at the same yeah, time. Yeah, do, do a countdown. Like a lot of my shows, they do a three, two, one, and then everybody presses record countdown. Like we do that yeah, a lot. Yeah, that gets, that gets it close. And then what you do is, and you drop in the other the other person or people's audio files, and then you, you line them up so that they're all, because they might not be at exactly the same time, you want to match them up. And that's the nice thing about having a reference file, is that if you've got a reference recording, um, of the of the conversation over Skype or wherever, then you can match. You can line up their their audio to uh, yep. it to what it was as you heard it. And at that point, 
ideally, and sometimes there's drift. Sometimes you need to like cut the file in in the middle and slide it over a little bit because it's running a little bit slower because computer clocks don't always run at the same speed, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but ideally, what you want to end up with is a situation where you can delete your recording of the phone call and all that's left are the microphones that were recorded locally uh, by all the participants. At which point, ideally, it sounds like you're all in the same room together because nobody is using a you know a Skype connection that can go in and out. Now, I it, you can use the Skype connection if somebody doesn't record. That's one of the nice reasons it exists is that it's kind of a backup in case somebody has a recording failure. Mm-hmm. You at least have a recording of their voice. But it will sound better if you use all the local recordings and uh, and just use the the phone call for reference. And at that point, you, you you know the internet's no longer involved, right? At that point, all the audio is just the audio that happened on the computer when you were recording. So it's therefore the highest quality that it can be. So yeah, it it, it works really well, and you you match up the the audio visually in, in your editing app, so you can match up the waveforms like that. That's that's kind of the ways to don't do it by listening. Do it by matching up the waveforms, and then you'll be able to get a great kind of mix there as jason says you want to go through the audio file and just make sure that everyone's staying on track because it can drift backwards and forwards that's just a case of making a cut and moving things around a little bit yeah the alternative to this uh that's coming and i think will you know if if uh depending on the size of the conversations that you're having it might be a nice alternative are things using WebRTC, which is the real-time communication uh web protocol safari was updated to support it but doesn't support it quite the same way that chrome does and as a result these services don't yet as far as i can tell um support safari hopefully someday but for now you'd use chrome and you can go there are two of them cast and zencaster cast is at tricast that's t-r-y-c-a dot s-t it's a very clever domain and zencaster is z-e-n-c-a-s-t-r dot com i believe um, and these both basically you log in and you send a link and uh, they have paid and free tiers and you send a link to your fellow participants and they also go there with Chrome and uh, then you're having a conversation and you can all hear each other. And what happens in the background is the web app is actually doing that recording locally on your computer and then uploading it to a server. So it, what's nice about it is that it eliminates a lot of the fiddliness of you got to record your own end and then you got to take the file and you've got to get it to the other person and all of that. Um, with these, that all happens within the web app. There are some downsides to that. They're not as good at um, putting together a whole group and massaging the audio as Skype is. Skype has actually you know, built a whole infrastructure about this and these are all just doing it inside a browser. And uh, so it's a lot harder. But for two or three people, it can be a really effective way to do a podcast. And this is how I do the TV Talk Machine podcast with Tim Goodman every week. Because then he, all he has to do is log in and I press the buttons. And in the end, I get a file that's a locally recorded file from his computer. Mm-hmm. In And he has to do nothing. And you also get the merged file too, right? So like th- these, these tools, yeah. they, they, uh, they replicate everything. Like they, they do yeah. all of it. That's that's it. And then uh, I, a one last thing, which is um, Anthony Johnston, uh, who does podcasts on The Incomparable a lot um, and is a professional comic book writer, uh, video game writer. He wrote the comic that uh, the that graphic novel that Atomic Blonde, the movie was based on Anthony, uh, a man of many talents, including 
he set up podcastguestguide.com. Just one word, podcastguestguide.com, which is a great site if you're a podcaster to send to people who have never done a podcast before to tell them what to do (laughs) to be a good podcast guest, what software to use, how to record, how to send the file, all of those things. And uh, so I highly recommend it. So there you go. There's a podcast tip for you. I hope that that is uh, of of some use for you, Finn. Um, If you are interested, this kind of thing is interesting to you, hearing us talk about this sort of stuff. Tweet your podcast questions with the hashtag AskUpgrade. Um, if you totally hate this, tell me. If you totally love this, tell me. And then I can gauge people's opinions. Like, But right. there we go. So we can know for the future if this is of interest to people. All right. It's about time that we spoke about Apple's bad week. Uh, but it, before yes, we I do, hope there isn't a bug that mm-hmm. prevents... Maybe like iOS just suddenly at this point restarts and you can never Imagine. actually hear us talk about a bug that might happen in... Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Let's let's cross our fingers. This episode is brought to you by Balance Open, a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase. Coinbase is a popular market for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. If you have been paying attention to the internet over the last couple of weeks, you will have seen the stories about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is at an unprecedented high right now, which is, of course, turning more people's attention to it. And if this is something you're interested in, Coinbase is a great place to keep this type of stuff and where to trade. And Balance Open is a fantastic Mac app to allow you to have a look at every all of the currencies that you've got going on. But if you are unfamiliar or if you're thinking now that you want to maybe dip your toe into this sort of world a little bit more because it's heating up even further, Balance want to help you out with that. If you go to bow.money slash relay, not only will you find out more, also if you're one of the one, first 1,000 people that go to this link today, you will get $2 in the Ethereum currency for free as a gift from the Balance crew. That's bow.money slash relay. That's bal.money slash relay. Go check it out today. Find out more and try out Balance Opener. Thanks to Balance for their support of this show. Okay, so Apple had a bad week. They had two pretty embarrassing, pretty terrible bugs across their two major operating system platforms. We've been alluding to the fact that we don't really want to talk about this, and kind of my feeling for this is not that I think it doesn't deserve to be talked about, to be spoken about. I just think that at this point, I personally don't feel like I have a lot to bring <laughs> to this conversation. Um, but we need to, I think we should, for the, for the pure case of cataloging this as a thing that happened, we should talk about it on this show. Let me preface that too by saying that, um, you know, one of the challenges here, this is, we, we criticize Apple all the time. This is not the issue because, you know, there's always this like, why didn't you, every now and then we don't talk about something for, like we didn't think about it or we didn't think it was important. So it's like, why didn't you mention this? You're, you're trying to hide the truth. And it's like, you know, the problem with this story is that it is, it has lots of real world ramifications. And yet when you go, when you back it up, it, you don't have to back it up very far to enter a black box, which is Apple software processes. Yep. And, you know, ATP, the, the excellent hall of fame upgrade tech podcast, mm-hmm. ATP, those three guys are, professional software developers and they they had a very good discussion last week about this but even they are a little bit you know stymied they're kind of guessing because as much as this affects people like in the end all we can do is say and we're going to talk more about this but i i feel like it all comes back to i hope they i hope this stops 
I hope they don't do this anymore. Yep. Whatever happened, I hope they learn about it and they fix it. Whatever the root causes are, I hope they realize that that was bad and they need to do something else because once you're talking about i mean like we're not software developers so first off there's that right but even even beyond that to software development maintaining giant operating system code bases with millions of users billions of users maybe um with uh in, in a large organization with different code coming from different places like that's not something more than a handful of companies do. It's incredibly complicated. And I'm not using that as an excuse. Apple made some, you know, has a real black eye about its software quality right now, and deservedly so. My point is, I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about that. I don't understand enough about that complexity to parachute in and say, oh, well, it's obvious, just fix this thing. Like, this is a complex process. This is the kind of thing that people who spend years inside the organization might be able to have ideas about what they can do or a, or an organization similar to it. But one of the things that makes me reluctant to talk about it in great detail beyond the uh you know what it how it affects users and how it makes us feel is because anybody who's just driving by and giving an offering Apple a solution to this issue I can guarantee you should shut up because they don't know. I, I almost guarantee you unless, unless it's like Steven Sanofsky or somebody like somebody who worked at Microsoft on huge things like this in software development. Like there's a very small number of people who actually know all the details and could make educated uh, statements about what might be wrong on this because it's so complicated. And I, I don't want to be one of those people because that's the equivalent of being the person who says, add a feature to your software. I'm sure it'll only take you a couple of hours where they have no idea and that, that just they've been exposed as having no idea. So I'm really reluctant to get into the what could Apple do to make this better because I feel like it is going to be esoteric. It is going to be something that, re that requires deep knowledge of how Apple's whole uh, software development environment, uh, the people who work on it, the way they work, the way they're managed. It, it's going to depend on all of that. That's what impacts this. And we don't know that. So all in the end, and this is kind of unfulfilling because in the end, software is, is really hard to talk about in that way other than what the result was and how it makes us feel. So yeah. I guess that's what we're going to talk about is the result and how it made us feel because that's all that we're left with, basically. Because basically all me and you can say, which is what we feel, is please don't do this again. This needs to stop, right? Yeah. There, there needs to be a way. And we can we can talk like we did last week about kind of oogie feelings, which is like it feels like there's, you know, there's more attention that needs to be paid. I mean, I can say here's my solution, which is from the outside, I look at this and worry that Apple is running itself as a small company when it's really not because they like to think of themselves as a small company. And what I want to say is you've got lots of money. You're Apple. People people actually might want to work for you who are talented people. Hire more of them if if that solves the problem. But I'm also aware of the mythical, what is it, mythical million man month or whatever that, that the, the premise that twice the developers doesn't make your software uh, project twice as efficient. It makes it half as efficient. I get it. You Throwing money and people at, at problems is not always the solution. I worry 
that Apple runs lean, which is admirable, but to a fault in the case of what they're trying to do here. But I don't know. Uh, that might not be it at all. We're, we're already armchair quarterbacking again, right? Like, right, I, right. Literally I, I literally, all I can say is that I, I worry that maybe I know enough about some Apple culture to worry that maybe they, um, that that philosophy of being really careful with adding headcount and and adding people, you know, in certain places and and being. Uh, really conservative about how they spend their money, which is admirable in a lot of ways. I worry that that's a contributing factor here when this is a company that has all the money in the world. But I think the answer is if they just throw money at the problem and solve it, I would think that they would have done that already. So that can't be it. All right, I'm going to speed through a breakdown of these two bots, right. right? So last Tuesday, developer Lemmy Orhan Ergen tweeted about a potential security hole um, and actually was a pretty serious security hole in macOS, which allowed you to access the root super user account without a password. So my understanding of this, Jason, is it allowed anybody to go to basically any Mac that didn't have the super user account already activated with a password, create it, or just access it, right? And this could be at any point. The Mac could be in a logged out state even. you got to be running High Sierra mm-hmm. and yes. not the beta, is my understanding not the beta but like 10, 10 you know 10.13.0 or 10.13.1 i think mm-hmm. and uh, my my uh, macbook air was in this it was running 10.13.1 and so i tried it and it totally works like i was able to go to system preferences and click the lock and, to unlock so i could make changes to the system preferences and log in as root with no password and press okay and it said, you know, it, and it rejected that. And then I did it again and everything unlocked. Yeah. This is about as bad as a security hole that can be, right? Like it was well, terrible. I can think of worse ones because course, worse ones worse. Would, would, would allow you to remote. And apparently it was only if you had like screen sharing turned on mm-hmm. or you, you would have to have turned on other things. But then apparently like if you had screen sharing turned on and somebody connected your IP and, you know, they would have to go through if you don't have a firewall or something, you're just on an IP address on the internet, they would be able to log in as root with no password. And I think that actually screen sharing which yeah. is which is bad so it's i'd say it's bad about as bad as it gets in terms of like local device security because it's like literally if somebody can type on your computer they have access to everything they don't need your password um apple apologized which was very peculiar to see like they actually <laughs> apo- they they used the word apologize like i was wondering about this like will they say like publicly in press releases, we are sorry. Like I wondered if they would do that because that is not. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but that is not something Apple doesn't apologize for things. I think this uh, is a class of thing that they have apologized before about. When it's yeah. a like a major problem, they will come out and say we're sorry. A major security problem, they will do that. So I wasn't surprised because okay. this this reaches that level. Where yeah you yeah you better be sorry. I mean it is that it is that level. So, so their, their uh, I wasn't quote, surprised. Which they gave to uh, Jason um, is we greatly regret this error and we apologize to all Mac users both for releasing with this vulnerability and for the concern it has 
caused. Our customers deserve better. I love that line. We are auditing our development processes to help prevent this from happening again. Um, Apple released a patch within 24 hours. Um, they also stated that they would force this update onto the mach- users' uh, machines if they're running High Sierra. Uh, they would just update it for them, which is the second time they've done this, you were saying? I believe that's right. They, there was a bug in the uh, in NTP, the Network Time Protocol daemon, that was discovered. Uh, it was an open source, uh, but it was it was discovered, and there is a Apple has a way of pushing software updates without your uh, without your interaction. If you've got auto updates turned on, uh, and it doesn't require a restart, which was true with the NTP error, and it was true with this one. So they were actually able to. Uh, there was an update released and you could update to it. But if you were running 10.13.1 and updated to it or didn't update it, it would it would do it. It would update in the background just sitting there and get rid of this bug because they consider it uh, that serious. Um, so then very embarrassing. Egg on their face. You know, not, oh, not a good and there's, look. And, and just to mention, the other things that happened were um, I mean, they, they, this release was like some people stayed up all night to do this bug, bug push out. And oh, there, there was a, a short term solution to, you know, enable the root user using the directory utility and then give it a password. And then that solved it. But um, they did push out this update. Uh, apparently, it then led to people who had file sharing turned on that the file sharing turned off and you had to do a different thing to work around that, which is why they don't usually push out a a bug fix in less than 24 hours because mm-hmm. there are side effects that they didn't go through their testing process. So that made people complain because, but at least you, people didn't have unfettered root access to your computer, but still it was, it was a thing. It also turns out that uh, if you had a, a Mac running uh, 10.13.0 and you did this update and then you thought, well, you know, I ought to just update to the latest version and then update it to 10.13.1, it undid the fix. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so that wasn't great. Again, one of the side effects of fixing this fast. You can't I test everything, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. That's ideally everybody should be on ten thirteen one with a uh, with the thing with a patch or, applied. Like me, not on ten thirteen at all, or not on ten thirteen at all. In which case, you would not have this problem. Yeah. So egg on the face, right? Terrible, not good look. It was kind of all resolved by Wednesday. Uh, then late on Friday, <laughs> December 1st, it was discovered and seemed to be pushed out via some channels, like people were tweeting about it, like it had come from somewhere, uh, that there was a bug in iOS 11 that was causing springboard crashes when a local notification triggered on the device on December 2nd. So if you had an app like a weather app or like uh Dew, which is an app that I love, or maybe a workout app, something that would trigger not a uh, push notification from a cloud, like a message, but something that you'd set, maybe like a, a to-do app or something like that. If one of these notifications triggered, you could end up in a reboot loop. So the phone would just keep rebooting every time the notification triggered, right? You would, it would just reboot the, vi- the device. This is some, what was this, some kind of, why was this happening? Do you know? So, uh, it sounds like there is a bug in iOS 11 and actually in, in macOS as well that is related to the calendar that um, I think these are related. So earlier that day, I got an email from Rob Griffiths, who I used to work with at Macworld, saying, are you seeing in the macOS logs, console logs, this error like every 
fraction of a second in the log called that says month 13 is out of bounds which you can logic that one out right month 13 is out of bounds means somebody's getting to the 12th month of the year and trying to go up 30 days and finding month 13 instead of flipping over to the next year and and the system is like no no there is no month 13 unless i've been informed otherwise and uh throwing that out there and i think they've got to be related i don't know that for sure but that's my gut feeling is that this is the same bug which is which is on the uh, you know once you get into december um there are calculations that are made at a system level like by that apps call that say that say what's the next you know what what's the next date some date function and there's something wrong there's a bug in there that's making it go to month 13 instead of going to month one of the of the next year um so my guess is that this is all related and there is a bug in the core code somewhere that did this and it turns out that that bug then causes the the springboard the home screen basically on iOS to reload because it's like, Oh, that's a bad error. I need to, I need to reload because something bad happened. And so you've got probably, it looks like a bug treating, triggering a state in a different app that was not anticipated or was anticipated for good reasons, but now is being triggered for bad reasons. Um, The net result. So that's what I think is going on here. Mm -hmm. The net result is that uh, yeah, the springboard crashes and you can end in a in a in a reload reboot loop which is bad um and uh it was fixed in 11.2 apparently yes so apple released um, 11.2 early is what looks uh, like. and like like late on friday night friday night yeah 11.2 uh, was probably time. supposed to go out today it was supposed to go out during the show yep. because apple pay cash Activated apparently just got just got activated as we're doing yep. this show so that's when it should have dropped it should have dropped about now because but, um, the they pushed apple it out pay cash so this is the being able to send apple pay to each other and having apple pay cash in your wallet that was called out in the release notes like oh this includes this um which is kind of funny because it didn't and it also said that for me and it doesn't because it's not in the uk it's only in the us right now so that was kind of funny i think that was a case of like it's wrong but we just gotta push it out so they put it out on friday so when i woke up on friday i woke up to a bunch of messages for people telling me to do this so the first thing i did on friday morning before i did anything else was update all my devices so this didn't happen to me um because i updated everything um 11.2 also featured something else that i want to mention which is um the fixing of another autocorrect bug so everybody knows the i which turned into the question mark and the box right but there was another autocorrect bug which was it impacted less users but was still a problem where it was um, changing it to it, <laughs> i.t. Yep. Now, this is the second autocorrect bug. Dan and I uh, talked about this on the Six Colors Secret podcast last week. That's like, this happens to me all the time. And it's funny because Casey talked about it on ATP last week too. Mm-hmm. Um where I have things corrected to just bizarre things. I have words capitalized that should never be capitalized, yep. but suddenly they're capitalized. Um, some of them go away if you keep typing. It will if you don't stop because you see a bug uh, or a, a typo. You keep typing, and it like goes back and it's like, oh, I see, and it'll actually de-correct it or something, which is also weird because then you are motivated to keep typing even though you see an error 
in the hopes that it will get retroactively corrected. But I've also seen exactly what is described here. Well, not not this particular correction, but a correction like it where I typed a totally valid, incredibly common word and it got corrected to something completely bizarre. And and like, why did that happen? So it's this is the second time since iOS 11 was released that Apple have had to fix an autocorrect bug via an iOS software update. So I'm just going to state on the record that I believe that Apple's approach for autocorrect being, um, I, my understanding of how it's working now is it's uh, the differential privacy stuff and Core ML is creating uh, via machine learning a new system for autocorrect. I think that it is clearly the wrong one because they are spreading like viruses. And because Apple refuses to have any of this stuff live in the cloud, their only way to fix it is via software update, which is arcane and ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, you have to update the software of the device to fix an autocorrect bug. Like, I think that it is wild. I don't see any of these because I use uh, Gboard. And, I mean, I've been meaning to recommend Gboard to Casey, but I figured he would just do a Casey thing and say something about Google, so I haven't bothered to do it. So, Casey, if you're listening to me now, uh, the Gboard autocorrect is better than Apple's. It just is. Like, one of my favorite things about Gboard is, you know, if you're you're meaning to, to press space and maybe you do a full stop or you do an N and maybe you do a bunch of those, it can work out an entire sentence typed that way, which the Apple keyboard cannot do. Like, if you're typing and keyboarding Ns instead of spaces... Like the the iOS keyboard can maybe separate two words. I've had like four or five words separated by the Google keyboard. Like it is way better for this stuff. I mean, it's a third party keyboard, so it comes with all the problems that third party keyboards come with, but it's vastly superior. But my point is, other operating systems like with Google, they keep all of this stuff in a. I'm sure in a list that they can just update on their end. The having to update these things via iOS software updates, this will not scale. This happened twice in two months. This is monthly currently. This is not this is not a good thing because all it's doing is until you push that update out, people are getting more and more frustrated with the thing that they are doing most on their phones, which is typing and texting. You are if if the word it and the word like the the use i is getting screwed up, like this is not good Apple. Like because this when when the i came out, like I was thinking to myself, how many more are there? Right? Like there must be more of these. But we just don't see them. And it turns out, yes, because the it one wasn't as frequent. But I just think it's ridiculous. I think they need to clearly change course on this. Um, I don't. I know what I want them to do. It's not what they will do, but this clearly isn't working. But anyway... Going back to uh, going back to these to these bugs, these issues, right? The iOS 11 reboot bug and the the root issue. I mean, what does it say about Apple, right? Like, does it say anything specific? I don't know. Like, we said this. Like, we don't know. Like, are they struggling? Maybe. Was it bad luck? Maybe. Is it embarrassing for them? Yes. Right? Like, they're the answers to those questions. Like, we don't actually know. Like, it's easy to say, oh, software quality is bad. Um, you know, like, all that kind of stuff that you can say all of that. But my kind of point, my thinking on this is none of that actually matters. The reasons don't matter. Like, the reasons this happened, bad luck, bad software practices, it, none of that matters. What matters is that in the space of three days, Apple had two huge PR problems because I would expect that they were giving statements to everybody that they could about this stuff 
because they needed their customers to know. Like this is one of the yeah. worst types of problems where you have a problem that is really bad for you, but you actually can't hide it. You have to tell as many people as possible about it because these are problems so bad that you have to have them fixed. And the only way to fix them is to force your customers to do a thing. And like, so it doesn't matter how it actually happened. It matters how it's perceived. And the perception right now, I would expect is not good, especially because most people, most general users that I have interacted with, including me, to a point, are hesitant of updating iOS devices quickly because for the past couple of years, there have been like horrible bricking errors that seem to happen on occasion, right? So like if a big update comes out, I leave it a few hours, right? Like I just want to see like, is everyone okay? Like, is the general consensus that this thing is installing okay before I install it? And this is me, right? Like, I know so many people that, like, just won't update for months because they don't want to break their devices. And now it's like, now there are more problems, right? And it doesn't matter what the actualities of it are, right? Where, like, there is a problem in the already installed version and the update actually fixes it. That's not the point. The point is that Apple customers and 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 just general people and have an interest in technology, which is basically everyone on the planet now, know that Apple had two really bad flaws in their software in the last in like the last week. It's not good. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you call it a PR problem, and it is that. But I would say it's a public perception problem mm-hmm. because this erodes Apple's perception as a supplier of reliable products, and that's hard perception of uh, your company is hard to change and you can't control it if you're a company like this. You can't. You can try, but it's very hard. And unfortunately, this is the kind of thing that gives you a reputation of being unreliable. And I agree with you. I actually think the release of, was it iOS 7 that was the radical yeah, seven, 7 was the one that started it because when iOS 7 came out, people realized that everything they think about their phone can change overnight, right? Like exactly. that, was the, that was the one where like people were upset because it was completely new. And if you didn't want that, you didn't know it was going to happen to you. And, and this is the thing is that's exactly right. I, there are so many people, how many millions of people reacted with shock to the iOS 7 update and said... I am terrified of Apple updating my phone. I can tell you, I have people in my family that that is absolutely true of. To this day, I have people in my family who will see me and say, months after releases yeah. have come out, and said, mm-hmm. should we do this update? Can we do it now that you're here? I don't want to... Basically, it's like, I don't want to update my phone alone. I just updated my mom's phone yesterday. It's because of iOS 7. I'm not kidding. And that tells you something about how long these perceptions can last. iOS 7, again, we can argue it was extreme. They've dialed it back. It was ultimately to move in a new direction was probably a good idea in terms of the design, but it was such a radical change and it really upset people. And it was just like, yeah, let's update to the next version. Whoa, what, what happened here? And that made people feel like not they, they didn't trust Apple and its software updates anymore. And it takes a long time to win people back. And what I'm saying is this is another ding on Apple. This is, oh, Apple software isn't reliable. You know what? Apple, um, 
Apple is going to have to deal with what Microsoft has dealt with, which is a lot of people rolling their eyes at what they do. And rightly or wrongly, and I said this is super complex stuff, but you get a reputation and your reputation sits over you and it's you know it's like a cloud it's it's a a smelly cloud right Mm -hmm. and you can't as a company you can try to like wave it away but like there's only so much you can do and so that that's the thing here is no matter whether this is a systemic issue inside apple that has led to lots of problems and it's something that the management of the software development group has pretended to care about, but hasn't really done the hard things that need to be done to do this. Or whether this is something that is just emergent from a complex system and happens to hit at bad times in bad ways and has nothing to do with what's going on internally from the outside doesn't matter. Like, because this is a hit to Apple's reputation. So if you're an executive inside Apple involved in software development, let me tell you, you your your bad week is just beginning, right? I would think. I think the only if cuz cuz think about us as outside observers. Now, now put yourself in the in the shoes of Tim Cook. Tim Cook's not a software development guy. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. He is a supply chain guy and he's a big picture product guy in the sense as to what extent he's a product guy it's about the final widget right the experience right how deep down does he go in knowledge about the details of the software development systems probably similar to me and you right like in our level we understand but don't get the detail yeah, I mean, he's going to get briefings from Craig Federighi, and he's going to be oh, talking. You know, he? he's going to have conversations <laughs> with with Phil Schiller, and they're going to uh-huh. talk about it, right? But but it's not, and we don't generally get the the only briefing we get with Craig Federighi is when he's on the talk show, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but still, like, if so, if I'm in that position, all I can do is turn to the the people who are in charge and be like, "You got to explain why this is going on because this is killing us." And we've done this before, and you've said, "No, no, we're on it." where where are we because this has got to stop like what can we do right it's going to be one of those conversations of like talk to me explain to me again why we're in this situation so if you're in senior software management at apple this is the beginning of probably many bad weeks to come merry christmas everybody because mm-hmm. uh when it gets out into the world like this and it hurts apple um it, it, I, I was actually really disappointed with um with uh, I mean, I wasn't disappointed with the guys on ATP last week, but but the the conversation that that took place about how um you know they had heard from a lot of people about like who's going to get fired over this. This is a firing oh, yeah, offense, so and I, I'm incredibly offended by this idea that um about like people losing their jobs. Talking about people losing their jobs in general, especially if you don't know what their jobs are or who they are or how or all the underlying. Um, issues that might lead to something happening. It's just like so easy for people to talk yeah. kind of lightly about people's people losing their livelihood. I, I find it like, really distasteful. There but, are but scenarios is... in which Craig Federighi could be fired over this. Like if he had made oh, sure. a decision, like and everyone was like, "Craig, please don't do this," and he's like, "No, <laughs> yeah, I am doing this." But it's and like it literally, it's happening. like I'm holding you hostage, yeah. right? And it, it, but it's it's highly unlikely that it's anything. It, this has got to be a systemic issue. Just because something bad happened doesn't mean someone has to be fired it's exactly we don't right. need to stage executions in the town square exactly or stuff like this no I, I would go so far as to say that just because something went if you fire somebody because you need to have somebody gone because something bad happened you're a bad manager 
and that's yeah. a bad company yeah. and you shouldn't work there, which is what John Syracuse said because he knows he's, he's seen stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's bad. That's bad. Headhunting in order to send a message to people, it's really gross and bad. But this is not to say that, like I said, it's going to be a painful time for people in that group. Yeah, many people are going to be raked over many coals, right? Like that's going right. to happen. Why do we do it this way? How can we do it better? There are going to be people in there said, I told you and you didn't listen to me. That's also going to happen because we also think of Apple as this monolith and they all march in formation. And that's totally not true. Like I, I, I talk to people at Apple, inside Apple all the time who say, who, who say, I saw that you wrote that thing about this thing that we do that you don't like. I agree with you. I need that was great because it got people to pay attention. Keep writing articles like that. Yeah. I get that all the time. Because right? there are people inside Apple too. who are dissenters who are like, we shouldn't do it this way. And then somebody else higher up in the chain and said, no, no, we're going to do it this way. And the only way they can get them to listen is by having outside people say, Apple's making a mistake here. And then their boss comes to them and says, why are we doing this? And they're like, oh, okay, fine. Maybe we should do that after all. Well, there's going to be a lot of internal um, uh, recriminations going on. And I, uh, I hope, I hope they find ultimately. I hope they find this is a solvable problem. That's what worries me the most: is that this is so complex that in the end they they rearrange the deck chairs, not to get too dramatic, but that they make changes and like and say, well, let's see if that does anything. Like literally, this is this that- is solvable. You can't you can't solve people from making mistakes, but what you can do is make changes to your processes to stop these kinds of mistakes from as easily occurring. Like that's all sure, it or, is, right? Or or decrease the, you know, I I think I think the most you could hope for is to say, "All right, we took this approach. I see now <laughs> the downside to <laughs> this the, approach." In the light of day. Let's we could fix it by doing this or that and then pick we'll pick one and we'll try to do it. It could also be, I mean, again, it could be that what somebody like Craig Federighi or somebody else lower down who we don't know and we don't see and we don't talk to says, well, I told you we need to hire more this. We need to hire more testers. We need to hire more OS engineers. We need to hire a Q&A staff. We need to split the split these groups in a different way than they're organized right now. Something like that where, where they're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you warned me and this happened, so let's do it. Let's make it happen. Because Apple can do from a money and i i would argue people standpoint apple can kind of apple maybe not do whatever they want but they can do a lot like the issue is not well we'd like our software to be better but we just can't because we are a poor company there's little moths flying out of their pockets they got we got no money what can we do resource strapped apple is is one of the most powerful companies in the world they got they got billions and hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars in cash they can do it if they if they have the will and if their their structure allows them to, and those are big ifs, but um, but yeah, it, it, that's that's my my hope is that this is something that can be mitigated and fixed by making changes to what they're doing. My fear is what you said, which is that it can't, that it's just an emergent thing, and that they're not sure why. I mean, they'll 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 nail down why this specific thing happened, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can find the antecedent of like what in our structure made this thing emerge. And if we change this, what do we change it to? And does that make it better or worse? And it may be that they look at all that and they're like, we don't know because these are incredibly complicated things. So, and, and changing a thing might solve this, um, but then cause another problem. That's the thing is you're always, you're always fighting the last uh, the last war, the last problem. You're fixing that last problem, and you may be creating new problems. So, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm even hesitant to say what a lot of people have said, which is what we need here is a snow leopard. <laughs> what we need here is Apple to focus on fixing bugs and uh, and not doing new features. To which I'll point out these some of these are the same people who complain yes. when Apple doesn't do enough new things. Let's remember 2016, shall we? Right, like the, the idea of saying happened. I want no features means everyone's just gonna be mad again. Like the thing is, here's the thing, right? Like you have to do both. <laughs> Fix bugs and release new features. I don't care if it's not possible. It's what you got to do. It's what they're trying to do. That's the only yeah. option. That's the only option. There is not an option of, we'll be so happy if they only do this. Because like, uh, you, in the same breath, you'll hear the Mac is not being taken care of. Oh. No one's paying any attention to the Mac. And please just fix <sighs> bugs on the Mac. I can do you one better. Um, think back a couple of weeks to HomePod being delayed. And people being like, whoa, what is wrong at Apple? What are the problems at Apple? <laughs> yeah, Why yeah. did HomePod get delayed? What is Apple doing? Why did they announce it and then not do it? All of those questions, right? And we we talked about it, I think, in much more reasonable tones here. But um, I would lay odds that HomePod didn't ship in 2017 because it wasn't good enough. And because there were bugs, there were software problems. And so they pushed it out. That's an example of Apple doing the right thing and not shipping a product that was buggy. Um, Apple Pay Cash running late is probably an example of that. The iMessage cloud sync thing. Imagine if they had just shipped it and it ate your messages and was a disaster, right? And they didn't ship it because obviously it wasn't of a production level quality. So these bugs got through, but there is obviously at least some change at apple in terms of pulling things out of the lineup if they aren't good enough which i think should be applauded but obviously there are underlying things still happening Mm -hmm. that uh and you know what stuff like this is going to happen it's going to happen in any complex system i appreciate that they fixed it um but i think it's worth saying they need to do better and it and it erodes their reputation further every time one of these things happens and you know fair or not doesn't really matter why it happened it still erodes their reputation. So you got to do it all or you do nothing. Turns out we had some stuff to say, uh, but it was more the big picture. I mean, what I was like, oh, I just don't want, I didn't want to talk about the minutiae of every of each of the bugs, but we had to because it's the only way to frame that conversation. Yeah. So let's hope that next week everything's hunky-dory. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it will be <laughs> sure. of us. It's definitely not in uh, Apple Park. It's not hunky-dory there right now. Uh, I feel really bad for everyone who has to walk into those doors, right, Monday morning, and just like, oh, it happened again. Congratulations, everyone. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula. Encapsula will help you delight visitors to your site while frustrating attackers because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. There's nothing fiddly that you need to do to activate Encapsula. You just make one small change to your DNS. This will then boost the performance of your site so it's buttery smooth whilst keeping out bad guys as well. Encapsula's network is huge and it has some serious power behind it. Encapsula block 140,000 threats per minute. That's how big it is. They can process 30 billion attacks per second. Doesn't matter what type of size of website you have, Encapsula can protect you. On average, websites using the powerful Encapsula content delivery network are 50% faster and consume up to 70% less bandwidth because of their fantastic content delivery efforts. Encapsula Smart Dashboard will also show you real-time stats about incoming traffic and let you update your security policies on the fly without disrupting anything. 
As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service absolutely free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash upgrade. Check it out right now and find out more about what Encapsula can do for you and your beautiful website and claim that free month. Go give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM and hashtag AskUpgrade. Joe Steele wants to know, we've had quite a few people ask us this question, are you going to watch Home Alone 2 Lost in New York this year? We have no comment on this question, other than to say, stay tuned for the Upgrade Christmas special. Yep, we're doing something wild, kids. Uh, Something that they say you should never do. We're going to do it at Christmas, on Christmas. (laughs) Uh, Sam wants to know, why didn't Apple make the pencil compatible with the iPhone X? It's the perfect pocket notepad. So I have two thoughts on this. One, the current Apple Pencil would suck on the iPhone X because it's way too big. The proportions yep. are nightmarish. Um, and I believe that one day we will find uh, a phone that Apple makes that has a stylus. I do believe that that might be uh, a later iPhone X looking phone. I, I believe one day there will be a phone called the iPhone Pro which will have a tiny Apple Pencil. I still mm. think Apple are going to do that because it's just a way to just charge more. Like you, if you're thinking about like Apple strategy, right? Like keep having things on the top end. It's what the iPad Pro is all about. It's what the iPhone X is all about. Once this current design trickles it, well, okay, but they have things, right? Like they have pro devices yeah. where the ASPs are higher. I was thinking it might be like if they do a, uh, there are rumors about a, an iPhone Ten Plus, yeah, design? that's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like th- that will become the real high end, and then you could maybe have another version of that one, right? Which could have a pencil attached to it. That's that's my thinking. My understanding is that the Apple Pencil, there are some very specific engineering things you have to do to support the Apple Pencil in terms mm-hmm. of the refresh rate, in terms of being able to detect that pencil on the screen. It's not just throw it in a, a touch screen, right? And so for the iPhone 10, which is already kind of reaching to the edge of Apple's capabilities, throwing in pencil support and the attendant cost and who knows what else that would have been involved in doing that, that I can see why they didn't bother. But I totally am on this. I agree. I think Apple Pencil support on larger screened iPhones should happen. I do agree the pencil is the wrong, the current pencil is the wrong size for it. And the iPhone 10 is still kind of small, although you could do it. And an iPhone 10 plus kind of thing would certainly be perfect for that. Yes. Um, but it might take a little while. Even the first one of those, if it exists, might not support it just because I don't know all the details. But there are technical details about the screen and what you need to do to support the pencil that are an added bit of complexity. And the iPhone 10 was the literally the first OLED iPhone, right? There was a lot of display complexity already. I think that that was not something they wanted to to uh to try this time out but i think it'll happen i do i believe it lee asked which chi charges charges do you recommend there are so many on amazon it's making my head hurt do you have any recommendations uh yeah the the uh oh which one is it the mophie mophie what is it called i got it right here i'm like boost up the mophie boost up uh the box is behind me because i don't use it um i'm not I'm not really. I don't really like wireless charging. I'm using it. I'm using it all the time now because right we've got them. We've got two of them on the uh, huh, okay on on the table in the uh, where we where we leave our phones. And what really sent me over the edge is Lauren started to use it. 
she was like on her eight. She was like, oh yeah, this is great. I'll just lay it there. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I'm doing that too now, quite honestly, because I just, I just drop it there when I go to bed. I don't, and oh, wait, I don't, I the don't. Belkin's called the boost up, which is what I have. And that's fine. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Get the, the, the Mophie one is better. Why? The Mophie one is lower um, and it's more kind of tacky. So the phone is much less likely to like slide off. I find it, I, I have okay. them both and, and the, the, I like the Mophie one a lot better. There are going to be way more ones of these that, that come out. It's just as, called uh, the Mophie wireless charging here. base. There, that's, that's the one, great that's which, that, that's the one I would recommend right now. Okay. So I have the boost up. Uh, it has a little rubber thing on it and I don't know. I'm just not, yeah. I just don't, I just not. It's not. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm much more inclined to like it now that I've had the Mophie one because the Mophie one's way better than the Belkin one. Just the, it's a, Ikea makes one too, but the Mophie and the Belkin one also support the faster charging that is in iOS 11.2 mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of the other ones don't support that. So I've also heard good things about, I think there's a Samsung one that's an Samsung upright. Samsung a bunch. Yeah, they do an upright one. Which is and I know the right people now. who who like keep their phone at their desk and they want it kind of like upright so that they can they can see it, um, which I don't uh, like that like the, one of those Samsung ones. But I I haven't tried those. No, neither have I. Um, I I actually don't even know which one it is. But there I would are, there are I would stick with ones. a real brand. By the way, to to uh, to Lee, I would stick with a real brand. Me I've too. heard you know qu- questionable things about um, some of the other uh, chargers that are out there that have uh, you know. Not necessarily burst into flames, but you know the, you're dealing with electrical stuff here. So I would maybe stick with uh, a brand. Brands you know, of. brand names. That's what you want. Yep. Brand wants to know. I've been having performance issues on my iPhone 6s since iOS 11, and and am considering a clean install. What are the risks, and do you think it will work? So the risks are there is a possibility, a very strong possibility, if you are doing a, a clean install, that you will lose data of some description from an app or game that you like. Because uh, if you're going straight clean, you know the only stuff that's going to get synced over is apps and and games and stuff that use some kind of syncing engine. If they don't, well, that's that, right? Like you're going to lose that. So take stock of that. Do any exports that you can do. Check that the most important things to you have some kind of syncing component. Do you think it will work? I mean, if you're having battery issues, it is the thing that is maybe most likely to make a difference. If anything will. Um, but you know performance know. issues ba- mm-hmm. battery issues are battery issues and the battery is there you know that's a oh, physical sorry. hardware yes, yes. problem performance performance, performance sure. issues yeah. i think it might work because i did this with my mom's phone and it worked so i would actually recommend the first thing you do is back up your phone and do a wipe and then restore because yeah. that might solve it and then you won't have as and many then, problems and then if that doesn't solve it then uh, wipe it again and just set it up from scratch and try it that way. But I, um, I put my mom on. Um, she had a five S, and I put her. We ended up with a, a a spare six. That's Lauren's old phone, and I put that's the one that I opened up and put a new battery in because the battery was dying. And you know, the six performance on iOS eleven is really something to be desired. Um, but I that was a clean in that was a backup from a wiped six and the speed wasn't great but it was okay it was not what lauren experienced on that phone with when she was on it Mm -hmm. which leads me to believe that maybe there's something to this idea that there's stuff that is wiped out by a uh, by a clean install on a wiped phone that is present i hate the idea that there's like you know, if you want to make your phone go faster, erase it and then ins- reinstall from the backup. But for these very slow, 
um, older phones, it might be true. And if not, yep. then I would try moving on to the complete clean install and see if that makes a difference. Because it might. There's one other thing that has happened for me before, which I'll recommend. Uh, Adina had a, an iPhone 4, and it was just horrible. Um, I set her up with iCloud Photo Library and moved... This was years ago, but I moved... like She, she was saving all of her photos on her device. So I moved those out to the cloud, did a bunch of backups for her, removed a bunch of stuff, and gave her a lot more free space. The phone ran a lot better with a lot more free space. So if you have, if you're kind of maxing it out, that could be something else to try as well. Give yourself a bit of free space; it might might help. I don't, I don't know why it did, but it did. Um, Tony asks, "My 2011 MacBook Pro is really bugging me to upgrade to High Sierra. Is there any way to stop those notification messages?" Jason, do you know? Uh, I think the way you do it is to go to uh, App Store uh, and like control click on the update and say um, hide update. That makes it uh, go away. Um, And the other thing I think you might be able to try is just go in your um, is is go in your apps folder and delete the installer for High Sierra. Oh, uh, I don't know 100 percent. I don't know 100%, but you should be able to, for Apple system updates, you can actually like go in and say, hide this update, and then you never see it. It doesn't bug you anymore. That might work. Um, but it's really annoying, and I did a quick Google search to try and find a definitive way, and I don't think I found it. So try What those, really Tony. annoys me is that you can't turn off the notifications for the App Store. Like, I just don't want them, like the, the, the notifications to pop up on the right-hand side. Like, they're not in Notification Center on the Mac. Like, they're not in Notification Center preferences. And I find yeah, that yeah, there's no App Store app in really the notifications annoying. preferences, which I, which there should be. It, there should be, and it, it's it's a little. I find it a little bit egregious, honestly. And like, I will, I'm good. Like the ba- I leave the badge number right. Like, let me just do that. Like the App Store on my iPhone doesn't do this, right? Like, let's just let's chill, Mac. Like, let's just chill. But asking for any development on the Mac App Store is a fool's errand. And finally, today, Stephen asked, this is a, this is a shame your podcaster's question, uh, what are your Apple Watch daily move goals? So what are the, the move goals that we have to achieve every day? Um, I will start, Jason. Uh, mine is 400 calories. Right. So my 400 is what my Apple Watch wants me to do every day based upon my podcaster's lifestyle of sitting at home. Yep, mine too. 400. Okay, we've learned that this is this is what the sit at home podcaster uh, will 400, have. Four hundred move goal, thirty minute exercise goal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there you go, four hundred. And now every, we will be getting tweets for the next seven days at least with people saying four hundred, and uh, the mine is nine million. So I'll look forward to those. Uh, so I, I I wish congratulations to all of our healthy listeners. Um, if you would like to uh, find, if you'd like to ask us any questions. Use the hashtag AskUpgrade on Twitter, and we'll be able to pull those in for another future episode. Thank you to everybody that submitted a question for today's episode, and please continue to. Um, I love seeing that spreadsheet fill up. If you want to find Jason's work online, he's over at SixColors.com, and he's at JSnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, you can find the show notes for this week's episode at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 170. And thanks again to our fine sponsors this week, Away, Balance Open, and Encapsula. But most of all, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time, and we'll both be recording on Pacific Time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, everybody.